We're continuing our series, Mesilat uh, Yisharim, Path to the Just. I just came back from Israel a few days ago, Baruch Hashem. Sorry I wasn't here last week. Uh, it was a very good uh, trip to Eretz Israel with some good lectures. And uh, we're back to our uh, routine now. Uh, like I said, every one of the lecture, it's all on events and my front page on the website. If you ever want to know if there's changes before you come or you want to know other lectures in your area, all you have to click is on event. It opens you the calendar and it shows you every night where I speak. Uh, the last shiur, if I still remember correctly, uh, we finished chapter four, which is uh, the reasons, the reasons that a person is not careful in his avodat Hashem, in serving God. There's many obstacles in the life of a person, and there are things in life that makes a person far away from Hashem. These all, those are the obstacles that the Satan, the evil inclination, is using to distract the attention of the person and making him not fulfill his mission in life. This is where we ended up. Today we're starting chapter five. After speaking about naming the, re the reasons and the obstacles between a man to God, now we're beginning to explain one by one. And this is all based on the Ramchal. The Ramchal writes, uh, there are three main ones. Of course, there are many, many ones, but three main ones. First one, is being a clown. Moshav Leitzim, let's, what Chazal calling let's. The Gemara said there are four kinds of groups who doesn't receive the spirit of God. It's a very, it's very, it's very uh, complicated expression. Do not receive the face of God, the, the spirit of God. What exactly does it mean? I cannot say 100%, but we know that it's a horrible thing not to be able to accept the spirit of Hashem or the, or the Pnei Shechina. It's definitely not a positive thing. That's everybody understand. It's a very negative thing. And one, one of the groups is clowns. Let's see. What does it mean, clown? Someone who say jokes? Yeah, it's also true. Too many jokes, too much laughing. But really what they mean, especially to our days, it's not serious people. People who, who everything they do in their life, in Hebrew they have a word for it, it's called hafith. Not serious. Just do it, don't ask too much questions. Just do it, doesn't matter how it comes. It's like a cleaning lady who comes to clean the house and push everything under the, under the couch. Just that it looks good. Well, well, one day they move the couch and they find out all the dirt. So there are people like this in the Ravodat Hashem. In religion, that's how their religion look. Everything is being shoved under the, the rug or under the couch. But really, uh, let's go even further. It really means people that like to laugh and to make jokes and not to be serious. And of course, when you're a joker, and everything you look is to joke around, it's very difficult to teach you ethics, Musar. You're not receiving. It's like a bucket that has a hole. More jokes you are, every joke is a hole in a bucket. When finally we try to clean it with some water, all the water goes down. There's holes in a bucket. 
So, the first one is being a clown. Second one, every day's aggravations. Work, family, learning, studying, going, buses, taxes, people, guests, doctors, everyone with his problems. Person is so busy, especially today. People have such a big eyes, they want life to be very comfortable and very flashy and fancy. So they put a very heavy weight on their back. In order for a person to live in the standards of United States or New York or Beverly Hills or Tel Aviv, should know the life in Israel is, in, is the highest in the world, the life, and the most expensive in the world. Very expensive life. I don't know how people make it. A little tiny breakfast with some omelet, like 40 bucks. Like, it's very difficult. I, I don't know. I, I am really, it's one of the biggest mysteries how people survive there with a salary of $1,500 a month or $1,200 a month and prices that are double than New York. It's one of the biggest miracles in history, how people survive. Technically, naturally, it should have been enough for four or five days to survive. That's it. The rest, people would starve to death. Logically, somehow everyone makes it. But it's very difficult. It's very hard to understand. The real estate became triple. Prices of food is more than double. A, a, a gallon is more than nine dollars a gallon. Nine dollars. We cry for three and a half, three eighty. More than nine dollars a gallon. That's what it is, really. If you calculate with liters, so everything is very. Electric is double than here. Everything is double or triple. You know, a little hat for, for your wife to cover her hair is like more than $100, made from nothing. Over here would be $5, $10. It's really a very, very expensive life. But even here, when life is cheaper, supposedly, it's still very difficult to survive. Very difficult. Most people do not finish the months here. But people made themselves such a high standard. They want to live in such a standard that they became slaves just to get enough money to fulfill their uh, desires and their high standard life. Nobody wants to just settle on simple life, just to have electric and some food and water and that's it. People don't, don't want, if people have that, they kill themselves. They want to live very flashy, nice clothes, nice coats, nice car, nice this, nice watches, nice weddings. They work three years to pay for their children's wedding, for the, for the show off. So when you have such high demands from your life, it's very difficult. So when a person is a slave of materialism, where exactly is going to have time for God? Where? If a person has to work two jobs just because he wants to drive a flashy car, or he wants Persian antique rugs in his living room, a regular simple machine made is not good for him. And if he doesn't want a $100 watch, he wants a $30,000 watch, even though he doesn't have what to eat. But he wants to go and to go like this, a show off. You understand? If people have this kind of standards in their life, where exactly are they going to have time for Hashem? Now you have to remember, this was written 250 years ago. When the world was, there was a certain percentage of very wealthy people, and everybody else were servants. It's hard, it's, in those days, there was really no middle class. You either a big master that have servants and big mansion with horses and all kinds of things, and 20, 30 servants are working in your house, 
or you're just somebody who can barely pay for your food. That's how life was. What do you think? And even in those days when there was really no big eyes, nobody was like today's killing themselves for materialism like today's in the world. There was no electric, there was no bathrooms like today. No, none of the things that we already take for granted they didn't have. It was very lousy life. If you had to live one day like they lived 250 years ago in the old days in Europe with the snow, making some fire in your living room, the way people were, even toilet paper they didn't have. What kind of life it was? Think about it. Take a person and let him live one week like they used to live. Kill himself. So I don't want to live. Kill me. It's better. So in those days, people were so busy with every day's life. It's needless to say today. If the Ramchal would live today, he would modify his entire book. <laughs> maybe, maybe this will be the main reason. So it's called Atirda. Being bothered with nonsense all the time, do not leave time for you and Hashem, for your relationship with your God. And the third thing is bad company. Bad company. Bad company applies today much more than 250 years ago. Because 250 years ago you had religious Jews and you had Goim. There is no hardly ever secular Jews who walks naked on the street. There, even the people who were not religious, they dress like religious people and even better than religious people today. Look at picture from eight years ago, you know what I'm talking about. So what would it be, bad company? What would it be? You live in a religious neighborhood, all your friends are all religious, you have the synagogue, you have the rabbi, you have the butcher, everything is like in a ghetto, all, all Jewish. And still he writes, bad company is one of the main three reasons that a person does not have a closeness with Hashem, with God. You understand? Now let's go one by one. Let's see. It's a unedaber baim echad lechad. Let's talk about each one of them. When a person is busy with every day's life, making a living, taking care of his personal things, family, children, etc., <coughs> automatically they don't have enough time to pay attention for their righteousness. That's why the Torah says, Don't run after business. If, you, if there is a way to survive without going to work, or with working very little, run for it. But you make a lot less. Doesn't matter, don't worry. You have enough to survive. Focus on, on your spirituality because this is eternity. The way of the evil inclination is that he distract the attention of the person and always build all kinds of illusions in his mind. This is the life. Now we have to be successful. We have to make it. I don't want to be a loser. All my friends went to college. He's a doctor, he's a lawyer, he's gonna be a judge, he's a politician. What am I gonna do? Look at me, what kind of job I am. You are a million times better than this lawyer and the judge if you're close to Hashem and he's not. Doesn't matter what he is, can be the prime minister of the world, can be the king, people bow down to him. He's zero in the eyes of God. What do you care about this? You are close to Hashem, you don't know how to talk, your language is funny, your clothes are ripped, your food is garbage. What do you care? You're a million times better than him. What do you care? What society think? 
or what the creator of the world think about you. That's why I always tell people about mixed marriages, mixed, mixed dancing. What do you care about what your family think? All you have to think, what is God thinking about me the moment I put the ring and the finger of my wife? The rest is nonsense, doesn't exist for me. They cry, they scream, they, whatever they do, they're threatening you, we're not going to help you, we don't buy you a house, you're not our son anymore, thank you very much. Move on with your life. For me, all these things is dust in the wind, nonsense. All I care is what Hashem thinks about me. You're proud of me, I'm your son, or I let you down. That's it, the rest is nonsense. If you get to this level, you see how happy you are. Today somebody called me on my way here, he said, your lecture about Tikkun Abrit saved my life. He's trying to become religious 10 years. On and off, going up, two steps up, three steps down. Know this thing, up and down. Everyone has ups and downs. But he say, since you made that lecture, it's about, about a month since I made it. I made it right here in Queens. Since you made that lecture, I accepted on myself not to make scenes with girls and not to be Pogem Babrit. For one month, I'm very strong. My entire life changed. I see light, spiritual light, happiness in my life, which I never had. Making money, not making scenes, enjoying the moment, never gave me the happiness and the clear mind that I have now. I never believed that it can change the life so much, this scene. I say to him, now you're gonna see even more results in your parnasah, making a living, so I don't even care. I'm already so happy now, that really, that, that doesn't matter, I don't do it for that. You understand? So, this, the Ramchal continue, uh, when a person learns Torah, nobody can argue this fact, no one. You take a group of 10 people that are business people, religious, yarmulke, beard, whatever you want. But work, doesn't matter. In a doctor's office, in a court, in 47th Street, taxi driver, having a retail store. Anyone who works, good people. They go to work, they work very hard. You take 10 people that learn Torah. Where do you see a much higher level of religion in Irad Shamayim? always by the people who learn Torah. So I guess it's something here, no? If always it's like this, if once in a while it's like this, once in a while it's like that, no, so okay. You can be righteous also in 47th Street. It's no guarantee that only if you go to Yeshiva you'll be more righteous, no. But reality shows always people who are connected with the Torah for many hours every day in a very high level. Very high level. Even before they use someone's pen, they look for him for, for 10 minutes to ask permission not to use maybe a drop of ink. Because they already reach a very high level. Nobody in a business reached these levels. Why? Because the environment the, around you, one way or the other, destroying us without realizing. Also, the air that we breathe, it's contaminated. Not only what the people talk, the way they dress, the way they do things. No, that's all. That's of course. Even if you close your eyes, even you're blind, you don't see problems with modesty. You're blind, you're deaf, you're disconnected from the world. Just standing there and breathing the air where people make scenes already bringing you down. What's the proof? How do you say in Hebrew air? Avir, right? Air to breathe. Avir. 
How do you say atmosphere around you? Avira. Avir, avira. Avira in Aramaic, it's air. Air in atmosphere is the same word in Hebrew, in the holy language. Even breathing the air in a wicked area, already bringing you down. You go to Las Vegas, you close your eyes, you block your ears, you just come out of the plane, you walk 20 steps, if you are 90% righteous, you drop to 70% in one minute. Just breathing the contaminated air of all the prostitutes and all the gamblers around you. And our people coming to me, Rabbi, are we allowed to go to the casino? <laughs> I heard it's allowed. Some things are kosher, but stink. For instance, a person took a cow and he slaughtered glad kosher, bet yourself, the highest of the highest. The knife, everything. Check the cow, everything. Cut a piece of steak, high level of kashrut. And then it fell into the bowl. You know, the little children you put and they sit on it and they make what they have to make. It fell inside. Now when you take it out, you try to rinse it, whatever. It's kosher. It's glad kosher. You're allowed to eat it? You're allowed to eat it. It's kosher. But it stinks. <laughs> yeah, it may be kosher to walk and close your eyes. But it, die, it kills you. You eat it. Okay, you want to eat it, you eat it. However, it's kosher. Not everything kosher is positive. Depends. So it says like this. Once a person learns Torah right away, it makes him cautious in everything in life. And you never find in history a person that does not learn Torah that was a high level of righteousness. Never. It never happened. How does he know? There was no internet in his days. No news, no television, no telephone. No Facebook, none of these communication ways. How did he know? Maybe he's, maybe he's making a, a false acquisi acquisition. How does he know? The answer is, it's very simple. If it work a thousand times, all the time the same, and then 10,000 times, all the time the same, and then 100,000 times the same, it means it's always like this everywhere. If you find every person that never learned Torah, he doesn't know anything, doesn't know, not allowed, not allowed, business, not business, nothing. She makes hundreds of mistakes every day. How can you be righteous without learning to be righteous? Can you be a doctor without learning medicine? You have good heart. You really like the patients. You want to help them. You want to give them your life. Every day you kill 10 people. You mean well. You know what they say in English. The way to hell is full of good intentions. <laughs> You don't know medicine, please. Don't pretend you're a doctor. You don't know law, don't pretend you're a lawyer. You don't know engineering, don't pretend you're an engineer. You don't learn Torah, don't pretend that you're righteous because you're really not. You understand? Over there, over there, there's a box. Okay, now. The Gemara in Masechet Kiddushin, page 30, the Gemara says, I created the evil inclination. I created this desire, the evil inclination, and I created the remedy for it. I created the poison. You know, a few years ago, the Israeli Mossad went to this Hamas terrorist, Imach Shimo, 
and gave him a needle. They stuck a needle with poison in him, but they got caught, the fools. <laughs> they didn't read enough Tehillim. Even the thief, because before he robbed the bank, he finished the whole Tehillim. <laughs> make sure the, the police doesn't catch me, make sure the alarm won't work, the driver will come in the right time. All days, Mamash is doing Ta'anit. He got up, he dove a nets, went to the mikveh. Moshe, what are you doing? Five, five o'clock in the mikveh. I have an important day. Rabbi, pray for me. <laughs> That's really what happened. So those ones, I guess they didn't pray good enough. So they stuck the needle in this murderer. But what happened is they got caught. So the only way to release them was to give them the secret to, uh, to cancel the poison. The one who created the poison has the way to cancel it. So they, send, they, they had to send, the Israelis saved him, and he's sitting in Syria and sending all the terrorists to kill us. They send him the cure. So the one who created the poison is the one who created it. Nobody in the world knows the cure. Only that doctor that invented that knows the secret. This is what God says. I created the Satan. He's an angel. That's his job. What do you hate him for? The Gemara say used to be a rabbi. His name was Flamo, Flamo. Every day he used to curse the Satan. May an arrow go in between your eyes. So the Satan got offended, you know. He got angry. Why, why is this rabbi cursing me? If somebody, an ignorant person is cursing me, I don't care. I don't pay attention. I always tell people, they come to me and complain that somebody offended them. Somebody offended them. So I say, who, who offended them? Here, here, feel free, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I say, who offended you? Was it somebody important or not? So usually it's always the answer is... Shalom. Usually it's always that it wasn't something, uh, impo somebody important. So I say to them, I don't understand. If, some, if a dog barking, you get offended... If you walk, if, if you're a postman and you come to deliver mail and the dog is going crazy, he's barking, he's, he's ready to kill you, you get offended from the dog? You're not getting offended from the dog, right? If a retarded person insulting you and say something about your clothes, you get offended? No. But if the biggest rabbi in the world offended you, it kills you. Because it depends who say it. If the President of the United States, Leavdil, he offended you. It's much more painful than just another uh, homeless who sleeps on the street. Right? The homeless is drunk, whatever, who cares what he says. Ah, the president offended me. Wow, it's, it's a big embarrassment. So, this is it. So Hashem says like this. I created the Satan. The flame who used to curse the Satan. One time the Satan said, I'm going to teach this rabbi a lesson. He came to him pretending he's a poor man with leprosy. Pass all over his skin, pass. Very, very scary. Imagine you see somebody knock on the door, please, I'm dying, give me a piece of bread. Okay, okay, don't come in, please, stay right here, I'm bringing you I'm bring anything you want, just don't come in, he's afraid, contaminating, contagious. So by the time he got him the, the meal, the Satan pretend he died. He fell on the floor in the middle of the living room and he's dead. And he makes noise outside. Flamo killed the poor man. Flamo killed the poor man. He hears outside. It's all an illusion now. The rabbi got very, very nervous. 
So he ran from his home to the bathroom. They didn't have like today, you come to your bathroom, half a million dollar, remote control, this, refreshments, Miro, Crystal. They, don't, they didn't have that. The bathroom was one tiny public bathroom, a big hole that they dig in the ground. You have to go there with a candle at 2 o'clock at night with some scorpions and dogs. And who knows, 2 o'clock at night, no toilet paper, no mirrors. You come in, you have to go out of town. You have to walk 15, 20 minutes. The, the smell doesn't come to town. It has to be very far. And they used to go, and that's where they, that was the bathroom. And during the day, at least you see what you do. At night, you have to guess not to fall inside, you know, inside the hall. That's how life was. So he went to hide in a bathroom there. When was it? Erev Yom Kippur. Everyone was busy getting ready for the fast. He was hiding over there. All of a sudden, someone barged in. Who is this? That, that poor man. He said, oh, I thought you died. I said, no, no, I'm not a person. I'm the Satan. I did it to you to teach you a lesson. You didn't kill anyone. Relax. So why, why did you do such a thing to me? He said, because every day you're cursing me. Why are you cursing me? You should have known better that it's not my choice. That's my job, to make people make sins. That's what God wants from me. What do you want from me? Why do you take it personal? It's not my job. It's like a policeman give you a ticket. So why are you upset at me? What, I, I, I did it because it's you. I see a car, park illegally. I give him a ticket. I do my job, no? How to be angry at them? even though people do. So he said to him, so, what, so why? I didn't know you have feelings. <laughs> he said to him, <laughs> it reminds me. You know, according to the Kabbalah, the Satan has a wife. It's male angel and female angel. So one time the rabbi in Saudash Lishit in Mansi was speaking about the Satan and his wife. There was one guy, at that time he was 40. Today it's 50, still not married. At that time he was 40 years old, dying to get married. So in the middle of the shul, when the rabbi said the, the Satan has a wife, this is her name, and when you, have to, when you pray, you have to have in mind that, so the guy says, you see, rabbi, even the Satan has a wife, and I still don't have a wife. <laughs> Everyone fainted from laughing. You know, so, yeah, so, the, the, so he said to him, yeah, you can say it in a nicer way. Don't do it personal against me. So anyway, the, Hashem created this desire, this evil inclination, and he told us the secret. The only way to eliminate it is to learn Torah. And if you don't believe Hashem, test your, test your strength after you get up from the book for learning two hours or coming to a strong lecture. I remember a few blocks away here about 10 years ago, I spoke in Ornatan. That's how I started, I think, in Queens. Spoke first time in Ornatan, where they were in a small building yet. And they moved to a bigger building. So I, sp I spoke over there in, uh, in, uh, in Ornatan. And uh, how did I get to Ornatan now? <laughs> he slept completely, this guy. <laughs> yeah. okay, if Hashem made me forget, I guess it wasn't important. Uh, all right, we'll move on. So, Barati Yetzirah, Barati Torah Tavlin Kenegdo. The Torah is the cure against the Yetzirah. And if a person doesn't be... Oh, now I remember how I got to Ornatan. Now, in Ornatan, 
they had a rule that no one should disturb the lectures by coming to collect charity. Lecture is lecture, don't disturb the people. Especially now when a speaker speaks, someone comes in, excuse me, hello, you know. Okay, everything has its time in life. So one time I speak about tzedakah, charity. I gave a very strong lecture about charity, and I, it wasn't the topic. And I stopped one thing, I find myself, I came, I'm on my way to, to Europe, I ended up in China. <laughs> you know, it happens sometimes. So now I'm speaking all of a sudden about 20 minutes, half an hour about charity. All of a sudden, this guy Nahum comes in, is the head of the Ornatan, with a rabbi, rabbi uh, from Eretz Israel, Rabbi Shitrit, his name. He has a kollel in Ramot, in Yerushalayim. Very nice man, first time I've seen him in my life, that moment. Now, knowing the policy is that nobody comes in the middle of the lecture to collect, and now the head of the organization coming in with the rabbi to collect was very strange to me. But after I cooked the people so well, he came, he couldn't come in a better timing the entire year, you have to understand. He walked in, he doesn't speak one word in English, this rabbi, such a nice, shy person. The last thing this rabbi should do is collect money. He become mute, especially when he doesn't know the language. What is chance to collect money? Zero. So the only way he could have collected money if someone does the job for him. But if he comes to me, hey, can you come to me and collect for me? I say, no, no, I'm not collecting money. You ever seen my lecture, I collect money, or I sell something, or I raise funds? I don't do this. I don't do it for myself, I'll do it for you. Come on. But that's already, Hashem tricked me in a way that all of a sudden I'm speaking about charity. He walks in, this guy Nachum comes and says, listen, it's a special case. He really doesn't know anyone, doesn't speak the language. I couldn't say no. See if you can help him out. He has a kollel, this, that. Now I look at the face of this rabbi right away. I see a righteous man, you see. So I began to say, we have a case here. The kollel is in the need, the yeshiva. Everyone wants to have, in less than five minutes, he collected almost $20,000. <laughs> Mamash, one guy said, 4,000 for me. Then a minute later, 4,000 for my sister and her husband. Then 4,000 for my parents. Then his friends next to him, he felt not comfortable. <laughs> this guy already gave three times 4,000. He said, 4,000 for me and my wife, already 16,000 in a minute. <laughs> the rest, how about 500, 1,000, this? He couldn't believe. I said to him, I translate to him in English, in Hebrew. He said, really? They're going to give it? <laughs> that reminds me about a, a similar case. A guy came to collect, and the rabbi said to him, you know, if I would be you, I wouldn't waste my time here. It's very hard to get money out of this community. So he said to him, well, rabbi, I already came here. Why do I care? Whatever I collect, I collect. So the rabbi said, okay, we have a special case, please help him out. So anyone wants to donate? So one guy say 18. So another guy say 26. And another one say 36. 52, 60, 70, 77, 85, 92. So the guy said, oh, already 100 bucks, better than nothing, I almost gave up. Then he said, somebody said 96. So one guy said, one dollar! <laughs> it was all incense. <laughs> the rabbi said, you see what I meant? <laughs> Told you don't waste your time. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> anyway, well, let's move on. So 
Why, that, why Hashem used the language Tavlin? Tavlin in Hebrew means a spice. Let me give you uh, the secret what it means. Let's say you want to make a very, very large chulen for the entire 500 guests that you have. Uh, 500 people come to Shabbaton, you're cooking special chulen, you put 20, 30 pounds of meat, each pound is more than $10. It's a very expensive thing. So you have about $2,000 in a bowl. It's cooking all night. And then you came to put uh, paprika, by mistake you put cinnamon. What happened to the $3,000 bowl? Even the dogs won't eat it. It ruins the entire taste. Uh, cinnamon, it could be anything else. A spice that doesn't belong, right? Sugar, whatever. So the spice, even though it's very cheap, can be 10 cents, 20 cents, the spice, it controls the taste of the entire thing. It's less than 1% of the meal, but it's basically the entire flavor. So Hashem said, the Torah, the Torah, right away takes control of the evil inclination. This is what happened to these people. After half an hour, they heard the importance of charity. They were so influenced that when this rabbi came in, right away they started to shoot. But if I wouldn't speak about it, if you see them on the street, we give him $100, $101, $50. He ended up with $300 if he's lucky. Still be happy, but just to show you the power of the Torah on the, on the even inclination of a person. I one time gave an example. There was a young guy and girl that when they were young, uh, 10 years old, they made a, an agreement that when they grow up, they marry each other. Well, you know, they, they swore to each other, and they said, we cannot get married before we check with each other if we want to get married when we grow up. So after a while, they lived in the same neighborhood. The girl moved to a different neighborhood with her family, and she met another guy, a righteous guy. And now he wants to marry her. She likes him. She already forgot this guy. It's been 10 years since then. But now, she said, wait a minute, I cannot marry you. I gave my word to a guy when we were kids in the neighborhood. I have to find that guy. Now remember, there's no Facebook. Put his name, he comes up. Now you have to go and search where this guy is. No telephone, no people, no pictures. How are you going to find him? It's not easy. So I must find him and, and get his permission to get married that he's not having anything in his heart against me. So he said to her, OK, let me give you some money. And in case he doesn't want to give up, you make it up to him. Tell him, listen, you deserve a gift. I don't know, give him $1,000, whatever, maybe he'll agree. So she took the money. She walked, asking people. She located the guy. Ah, you came to marry me? She said, no, I'm sorry. You know, things changed. We were kids. What did we know? I came to ask for your forgiveness. I'm going to marry somebody else with your permission. He said to her, wow, I was waiting for you all these years. She said, look, I brought you all this back. Take as much as money as you deserve. You know, just that you forgive me with all your heart. So he told her, ah, I mean, how can I take money for this? You know, okay, so I forgive you. If you found somebody else, what's the point? I cannot force myself on you. Mazal tov, good luck to you. Well, God willing, I'll find somebody else. So she turned around, she's about to go. And an old man was, was following her. 
and came to her with a knife, and he grabbed the money from her, and he wants to rape her now. So when the old man was about to start with his crime, she told him, okay, listen, wait, wait, before you own my life, I want to tell you where I'm coming from. I say, what? She say, you know, I'm about to get married, I have a fiance, this, that. And I went to ask for forgiveness from this guy, and this money my fiance gave me to give it to this guy, that, you know, to make it up to him. But this guy said, no, how can I take someone else's money? It's not, I don't deserve it. And he, I was his. All he has to do is say, I don't forgive you, and I had to marry him. And he could have relation with me with permission. I was his. We made an, I swore to him. But he gave up. Even though he's a young man, he's my age, he could have been my husband, I could have been his wife with permission. You, that I can be your granddaughter, you want to do such a thing to me, to take the money? He could have the money and he didn't want. He could have had me and he didn't touch me. And you, I don't, I don't belong to you and you want to ruin my life like this. So the words that she gave the old man affected him. So he said, you're right, you're right, I'm very sorry. Here, take the money. And he didn't touch her. He said to her, Mazaltov, and he sent her. This is the story. Now, one day, there were three partners having diamonds on the way to a show. They're going to sell their diamonds. So in the middle of the night, they slept somewhere in the forest. When they got up in the morning, someone robbed them. All the diamonds disappeared. So each one suspects the others. There's nobody here in the middle of the forest. You are the thief. No, you're the thief. Check. You can check in my things. I'm also, I also got robbed. So since they suspect each other, so they say, let's go to King Solomon. He's a, a brilliant judge. He would know who is the thief. So, okay. Now, one of them was a thief. He hid it far away in the middle of the night and pretend that he also got robbed. So when they arrived to King Solomon, he said, wow, it's very, very interesting that you're coming to ask me this question. Today, I got a letter from the King of Rome, King of Rome, and he asked me a question. And what is the question? The story I just told you with the girl, with her fiance, and the old man. So King Solomon asked the three jewelers, who do you think is the most righteous person in a story? The fiance that gave the money, the girl, the old man who was about to do something and she couldn't do anything in the middle of nowhere with a knife, or the guy who gave up that he, he should have had her, but he let her go and gave her a blessing and didn't want the money. From all of them, who is the most righteous in the story? What do you think? The young man. The woman? The young man. Who? Few gave up here. The one who's supposed to marry. The one who's supposed to marry. No? The old guy. <laughs> ah, Jeff, what do you say? Who's the most righteous in the story? King Solomon asked them. The girl. The point was, the, I guess the fiance, the, the, one, the one she had, he asked permission for it to marry this other guy. No, why do you say Manuel? Who is the most righteous in, for, with this old four? Um, oh, it's the boy who gave her up, no? <laughs> she was who said the old man? I huh? I You're the only one? 
You're working jewelry? Baruch Hashem. Now let me tell you. One of the jewelers said the old man. So King Solomon said to the guards, he is the thief. Grab him and check his clothes. Check everything, you find the diamonds over there. And they went and searched, and they found all the diamonds hidden in his stuff. So they asked him, your majesty, how, how did you know? And the old man, after all, did a, he made shuvah, no? So what's wrong about the answer? So this is, this is deep psychology. He says, there are four people who did something good in the story, right? But the only one who really had no rights was the old man. He gave up what wasn't his. If I'm giving charity to him with his money, I took $100 from his pocket and gave it to him. Giving him $100 and buying food that he won't starve, it's a very nice thing. But what kind of mitzvah is this? Robbing him and also, you know what? I'm not going to take it to myself. I'll give it to you. Thinking I'm the most righteous, more than somebody who took from his own pocket and gave it, shows that you are not 100% seeing the picture correctly. From all the people, you think the old man that was about to, to rape, to steal, and finally decided not to make a scene, he's the most righteous? Yes, he's righteous. He made tshuva, Baruch Hashem. But the most righteous? Something is fishy. Check. And that's how it was. Now, the, the, the rule is very, very simple. When a person begins to learn Torah, right away his entire desire goes down. You feel, feel right away, you see. And if you learn Musar, which is ethic, strong words of ethic, even faster. Hashem says in the Torah, this is in the Gemara in Yerushalmi, Masechet Chagiga, this is a very amazing statement that God said, hard to believe. I wish they would leave me, speaking about his children, the Jews. God say, I wish they would leave me, my children, leave me, okay. But they still keep my Torah. Okay, leave me. Okay, I'm not your father. I'm not your God. Leave me alone. Fine. You don't, you don't want to be in relationship with me? Fine. But still keep my Torah. Learn my Torah. Why? So what is the point? Why? I'm certain if they continue to learn Torah, it's just a matter of time until they return to me. And I add on their knees. It doesn't say it here. You learn Torah, you come back on your knees. You don't learn, every day you become worse than yesterday, for sure. But if you learn, and the Ramchal say the second category is being a clown, a joker. He needs attention all the time. You know, in a class, there's always the clown. In Israel, they call it Leitzan Akita, Leitzan Achatzer, the clown of the neighborhood. Every serious matter, he turns into joke. Everything the teacher wants to teach, he finds a way to make everyone laugh. Everyone graduates, and he cleans the streets after 20 years of learning. He's the only one who didn't get a diploma. Why? He was busy making everyone laugh. Everyone laughed on his expense. And what is his laughing gave him? Nothing. 
Is someone who drowned into comedy, into being not serious, into being a clown, is like drowning in the middle of a huge ocean. And getting safe from this kind of drowning is almost impossible. So what's the rule? We have to raise our children since they're very young not to be comedians, not to be jokers. Why? They would love the attention they get. And all their life will be about laughing, about laughing about people, laughing about manners, laughing about situation, laughing, making all the show. And people that are busy with laughing and jokes don't have time for God. It comes in the expense of something. When you're not serious, everything is a joke. It's very difficult for you to receive ethics. Someone who tries to correct you, scream at you, yell at you, you begin to laugh. You understand? So that's the second problem. And the third one, it's, a, it's a Ramchal gives an example. Someone who's addicted to laughing and to jokes, he's like a drunk person. There's no point of talking sense to him. If he wasn't drunk, yeah. But now when he's drunk, this, what's the point of talking to him? Hey, you know, you're not allowed to steal. <laughs> he doesn't know his name. He now he's listening to you. People like this do not receive a leader, do not receive direction. This is what King Solomon wrote in Kohelet. I'm saying to all the jokers, what did you gain from all this fake happiness? It's only from the outside, but the inside, a lot of these comedians and the jokers, they are drug addicts and alcoholic. On the stage, they're very funny. Check their life. Three times divorce, this, drug abuse, alcohol. Look at the Hollywood stars. All the famous Hollywood jokers, check their life if one of them is really happy. They are the most miserable people. Why? Because it's emptiness. It's all fake. Now there's another problem now. Being a joker and receiving attention, it also comes from the ladies. Ladies like guys with sense of humor. Ah, I love your sense of humor. You know? I have a guy, Ginsberger, I worked with him maybe 15 years in uh, Kirov. He keeps telling me, you're too serious. You have to be a joker. You have to make a lot of jokes. Don't you see the ones who are joking a lot, they bring a lot of people to their lectures? <laughs> I say, I'd rather talk to the wall and not being a joker. What's the point of having people who come to see me because I'm a comedian in their eyes? Are they going to become Shomer Shabbat for my jokes? They're going to leave Christine tonight because of my jokes? They're going to be more decent people? They're going to be more honest? The woman going to dress modestly? No, she's going to come to her husband and say, what a great rabbi, he's full of humor, jokes, this. I'd rather die than not being a comedian. Make nobody come. The 10, 20, 50 people who listen and get the point is worth it than million people who comes to laugh. You understand? The truth is, once in a while to say jokes to ease the tension is important. But to make it a comedy show, I'm not interested. So the Ramchal continue. The Ramchal says, This is the words of Chazal. When a person is not serious and he likes to laugh, 
It's just a matter of time until he fall into serious sex crimes with the ladies. Why? What's the connection? One thing leads to another. He tells her a joke. She laughs. Wow, what a great guy. I love such sense of humor. Goes like this, like this. I'm sorry, excuse me. Go to the bathroom, fixing her hair. This, that. The next thing, an abortion two months later. <laughs> That's what's happening. It's all start with the jokes. Ah, well, we're only friends, Rabbi. It's nothing serious. Ah, she's older than me, 10 years. We cannot get married. But reality, what happened in the end? Check the statistic and see. So, everybody understand if you go to a place and there's a married woman over there and somebody comes to you and say, oh, well, you know, she's interested to make a scene with you. So you're crazy? A married woman? I'm going to lose my eternity for 10 minutes of a scene? Well, you're crazy? How do you talk to me like this? Person get offended if he's really religious. And then two months later, you hear that they made the scene. So really, what happened between the moment that he got so paranoid when you spoke to him about the possibility of making the scene, that two months later, he did the scene? And then again, and again, and then it's 5,000 times. What happened in between? You don't jump from here to there. It's a process. So what happened? Here, I'm reading to you word by word. Even though this kind of sex crime, the forbidden sex crimes in the Torah, every normal person understands the end of the world to do it in the eyes of God. And his heart is fearing just from the imagination that it's possible that I'm going to end up making a scene, I'm fainting. That's how it was, at least in his days. Normal people, just by imagining the possibility, would already faint. It says, the, 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 the size of the crime is too heavy from bearing such crime, even in the imagination, not to talk in actions. But one joke leads to a bigger joke and to a conversation two steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. Slowly, slowly, they develop relationship until they find themselves in the actual scene. Why? Because the Satan doesn't take a person that is all the way in a mountain and right away bring them all the way to the opposite. No. Slowly, slowly. A little bit more. Good morning, Mrs. Whatever. Good morning. How are you today? Wow. Traffic. This, that. Beginning to have relationship. Oh, where are you going? You have a room? Can you give me a ride? This, that. Can you stop for me? Can you wait for me five minutes? I'm going to go to the bank. This, that. All right. Wow. I don't feel good. Where? I have medicine. Come in, I'll give you the medicine, this. Send regards to your wife. Five million things like this every minute in America. How do they start? Well, you think a person see another person on the street and the scene is happening? It's all this, ah, how are you, this, now, nah, yeah, wow. The bus is late, that, starting to talk. The Torah say, my friend, know your limitation. There's a red line. Don't cross that red line. What's the red line? You don't talk to a woman that is not yours. She's not yours. Don't talk to her. You talk, you want to talk, talk to your wife. Ah, big deal. Don't be fanatic, Rabbi. What? I only talk, what? I'm trying to be nice. It's Hilul Hashem if I don't talk. 
When it comes to this, they have ממש great excuses. אבל it's קידוש השם, מה? They see that religious people are normal. What? To be like this, sour face, not to talk? Oh, yeah, beautiful. So everyone knows you're a nice guy, and then you lost your eternity from trying to be nice to Christine. <laughs> you understand what's happening here? No, that's what's happening. Well, look what's going on. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Statistic. Cheating, problems, all kinds of marriage problems. It all comes from this. And then... The Ramchal say, a person can learn seven years Torah and build such level of holiness in his life, and then one joke or one curse or one dirty word comes from his mouth, and in one second he loses 70 years of building such level of holiness in his soul, it all drops to zero. He doesn't lose the reward of learning. Don't get me wrong. Whatever you earn, you earn. It's yours. That's it. But the holiness that you build, it's gone in a minute. It's, in, it's amazing. And once a person is get used to being a clown, he cannot cry once in his prayer. How a, a joker like me that laughs all the time can cry in my praise? It's the, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's not me. And... The prophet Isaiah, Yeshaya, 28, verse 22, this is what he writes. Don't be a joker. Don't be jokers. Because it's going to be like a handcuffs on you that will tie you and take control over your life. Chazal say, the sages write in a Gemara, Avodah Zarah, chapter of uh, idol worshipping, uh, page 18. A person that is all the time being funny and joking about everything brings sufferings to his life that was not supposed to come. What brings the suffering to his life every day? Being a joker, being a clown, not taking the mission in his life serious. Where does it say it? King Solomon, Mishlei 19, verse 29. We say in Haggadah of Pesach that Hashem did Shvatim. Hashem did Shvatim. Shvatim means taking a whip and beating up someone until he surrenders. That's called Shvatim. Hashem did Shvatim b'Mitzrayim. He drowned them, the Egyptians. So that's what it says, that the same thing that Hashem did to the Egyptians, he does to the clowns and to the jokers. If a person will tell you, Rabbi, what kind of life is this to be isolated from society? All my friends are going to this trip. Why can't I go? Like sometimes your children come to you and say, all my class is going. Like now, all my friends are going to watch the Super Bowl. What does a kosher Jew has to do with this stupid nonsense? What does it give in life? A bunch of athletes holding a piece of leather and throwing it like crazy and jumping and screaming and making millions of dollars from this stupidity. What does it give me to my life besides wasting two, three hours of my precious moments? What does he give? So because all your son's friends are like this, you, allow, you say to him, okay, you'll be also like them. And what happened? They see, they drink beer, they smoke. I don't want to tell you what. One thing leads to another. Tomorrow he has to go to yeshiva to learn Torah. 
you expect his mind to be in a Torah after what he's seen last night. So another week, all of a sudden he comes with an earring. What happened, Moishale? What happened? My friend made, so I thought it's cool. Another month later, tattoo. Another month later, ponytail. Another month later, Rabbi, I'm converting, I'm doing a big mitzvah. I'm converting someone who, <laughs> I fell in love with her, so don't worry, she'll convert. You understand what's going on? She convert. If you be Muhammad, she'll be Muslim. What? She convert for Hashem? Convert for your beautiful eyes. It started in a Super Bowl. Ah, Rabbi, it's only Super Bowl. Where does it say it? Look. If your friends come to you and say, don't be strict, don't be fanatic. We hear it a lot. Be, mingle with everyone. Be social, you know, socialize. Afatai morlo, answer him. What the Torah say that a person should not isolate him, himself from society is society of human being, not society of animals. If the society around me is animals, then, is, then for sure I have to isolate myself from this kind of society. Society of righteous people, of course, don't hide. Mingle with them, it's going to help your life. Nowhere in the Torah it says, mingle and socialize with people that behave like animals. No, the opposite. The Torah says, run away from them like you run from fire. None of them will help you in your trial. Remember, all your great friends with the fake smiles that pulling you to this club and to this restaurant and to this bar and to this movie and here and there. Come on, why you cannot be modern orthodox? Why you have to be so strict? Something new today, modern. And you become more modern and more modern and more modern. Until in the end, there's no Judaism left, Bechlal. You know? So, how does the book of Tehillim start? I always like to use this example. When a person comes to write a book, every smart person who wants to write a book, he wants many people to read his book. No, he has a message to send to the world. How does he start his book? With the worst thing that he has to say or with one of the strongest things that he has to say? Strong. You're going to start very strong, no? If you start very boring, after a minute, people drop your book. So King David started the book of Tehillim. Psalms, 100% holy vision. You read, you see right away, it's not human. It's, it's above human. What's the verse that he started Tehillim? How lucky is a person who did not sit with all the clowns, Moshav Letzim. What does it mean, Moshav Letzim? Stadium. Stadium, hockey, ice hockey in the Rockefeller Center. Ah, oh, we cannot be religious and go and, and do some skating on the ice. <laughs> What's the problem? Yeah, you can do. Remember what I say? It's kosher. It's nowhere in the Torah. It say you cannot go on the ice. Beautiful, you know, nice, beautiful Christmas tree. Everything is beautiful. Kosher. But remember what happened to the meat. You didn't see Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai go high skating <laughs> like this with Rabbi Akiva and all this. Imagine if you see Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai on the ice skating like this. Do you ever able to read the Zohar after this moment? No. 
Everybody understands something is not right here. But why for him it's not right, but for you it's right? Because we all fakers. You know, <laughs> I tell you something. Many years ago, there was a very, very corrupted person. He called himself a rabbi, you know. When the Hamas come to blow a place, they, they pretend they're Haredim, you know. They put a beard, black hat. They look Hasidish. Good thing they don't know Yiddish, <laughs> you know. So they come. That's how they do. They come. They stand over there. The bus come. They get on a bus. They look like from Bebrak, you know. Fischl and, uh, and Moishel. They go on the bus. Muhammad and Ahmed became Fischl. Gets on the bus. Next thing, the bus go and 20 people are dead. That's how they do it. <laughs> so, you know, so the, the, the point here is that all this idea of Moshav Letzim, all this idea of Moshav Letzim, is that one time there was a person who pretended that he's a rabbi, and he was doing very bad things, very not modest things. So they, decide, they decided, how are we going to bring him down? He's very powerful. So they, that, I'm talking to you more than 30 years ago, maybe now it's 35 years ago. So the first time that they used in Israel a candy camera, they put a candy camera somewhere, and they started to film him and to record him. And after they had a whole tape with all his actions, they made a committee, invited more than 30 rabbis, all the important, the real ones. And he was sitting as one of them, and one of the most powerful one. And they said, one of them started the committee, and he said, it came to our attention. They, they, of course, changed the details, not to make him suspect. So if it was in the south, they say in the north, all the way in the north, it came to our attention that somebody who pretends he's a rabbi is doing this and this and this and that, with women, with children, this, that. So we wanna, that's why we gather here together to decide what to do with him. So everyone, please tell us what punishment we think we should give him. We should isolate him. We should send him out of Israel. We should turn him to the police. Please write. Everyone will get up and speak a minute. So they started one by one. Who do you think is the one who gave him by far the biggest punishment? Himself. After he finished, they said, thank you very much. They press play. <laughs> You understand? This is, by the way, how each one of us will be judged when we come in front of Hashem. For instance, if you were stingy, so Hashem said to you, what, the poor man was begging you for money. You're not, you're not ashamed, you gave him two dollars. Cannot even buy one slice of pizza. Couldn't give him 10, 20, 30. Yeah, you loaded. Why didn't give him 30, 40? So you have to come up with an answer. So you say, well, 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 I owe him something. Two dollars to this, two dollars to that, two dollars to there, it's fine. So no problem. Play. They're showing you now, sitting with your friends. And one of your friends say, you know, this guy, Itzik, what a stingy guy. I saw I was in his house, a poor man came, he gave him two dollars. It's not a shame, this guy. Making millions in Wall Street, he gives him two dollars. Pause. You see? What's your opinion about people who give two dollars? <laughs> it's very stingy, right? Fail. Next. This guy, see how this guy talking shul? 
Shame on him. Why is he come here? Believe me, if I was the rabbi, I'd throw him out of the window. Why he comes to talk? So one day they show you. See how in the shul you talk here, you talk there, you this, you go in, out. You're hardly praying. No, Hashem, you know, I, I didn't feel good. There's excuses, fine. Play. You and your friends. You saw this guy, Moshe, comes to shul. Believe me, I want to smack him. It's talking nonstop. Showing you how you judge him, how you judge her, how you judge him, how you judge him. Putting everything together, and the verdict is reached. The mouth that convicted everybody else will be used against you. How the police, Hashem made something very interesting in this generation. When the police pull you over, they're saying to you something that Hashem wants everyone never to forget. Everything you may do and say will be used in a court of law against you. Don't ever forget that. Everything you say or do will be used against you. You say about him, don't worry, it will be used against you. Say about your friend's son, he's a pushtak, he's drug addict. I saw that boy at one o'clock here. What kind of family? Wait five years to see what's going to be with your son. It's all comes to us with our own mouth. So, huh? Absolutely. Of course, the Torah never lies. So that's why a person is smart. Life and death is depend on your mouth. Be silent, don't talk. What do you think about this guy? You think it's fair what he did? Why do I know who am I? What do you think about this? I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? Do you think we should? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Who am I? And King David started his book, Be, Stay Away from Clowns. Don't see it in all these places. And David say, Ve'adabra be'edotecha neged melachim velo evosh. In the book of Tehillim, Psalms 119, open chapter 119 and read it. He says to God, you know that when I go to the committee of all the kings, apparently 3,000 years ago, the world was just like today. Obama comes to the UN, Netanyahu, Mustafa, Ahmadi, all of them, they gather together, all the kings. So King David say, you know, when I gather together with all the kings of the world, I am still the same David. What am I talking about? Only a Torah, and I'm not embarrassed from any one of them. I don't care what they think about me. I don't care what's their opinion about me. When I gather with them, they talk about army and war and the climate and the ozone. And why do I talk? the creator of the world, the great God, this, that, and then sometimes allergic. Politicians, they're allergic when you speak about religion, most of them. And you say, I don't care, I'm not embarrassed. Even though almost all the kings, they are busy with pleasure and glory, King David was, was the greatest king among all of them, and his time, Israel was in the highest level. He still was never embarrassed to talk about Torah and ethics and nothing else. And the time is running out, so uh, we finished chapter five, and now we're gonna finish Bezrat Hashem some of chapter six until time will run out completely. Chapter six, in part of the, uh, to the just, 
is explaining midat azrizut. Up to now we spoke about zehirut, which means being cautious, being careful with everything you do in your life. Being cautious, it's especially for restrictions that appears in the Torah. You should not kill, you should not steal, you should not speak gossip, you should not, you should not, you should not. How many you should not you have in the Torah? 365 restrictions. Now it's focusing on you should do. You should, you should, you should. Doing is different than preventing yourself from doing, make, violating a restriction. For here, you know, doing zehirut, being careful, is not to violate the sins. Over here, midat zrizut means being hardworking, being fast, being right away on focusing on what needs to be done. That's mitzvot aseh. You should, you should, you should. The Torah says, the, we read it in Pirkei Avot, Eve azkanamer, be brave, strong and brave like the leopard. Like a namer, light like an eagle, run like a deer, and strong like the lion to do the wish of your father in heaven. Four examples from four animals. What's special about these animals? The leopard, when he goes into a battle, he gives his life. He's not afraid of anything. No matter, you have a sword, this, fire. He attacks until one of you will die, him or you, but he doesn't give up, doesn't run away. Don't be embarrassed from people. What happened? You became religious? Who died? Your father or your mother? I'm very sorry. No, nobody died. What, you lost your money? You bankrupt? What happened? You, you have this on your head. Something happened? You're not rich anymore? No, no, actually double my money. No problem. You know, one guy came to the shul, so he brought food for breakfast. After the prayer, he said, I want to say thank you to Hashem. You didn't see me for a week. A week ago, I crossed the street. A car came, hit me. I almost died. But thank God I came out of the hospital and I'm able back to, I'm walking back, you know, back on my feet. So I want to say thank you to God for making me this miracle. So everyone say, oh, very good. Thank you. Nice. Oh, everyone fresh. Very good. The next day, Somebody else from the shul also brought a meal. So they say to him, what happened? A car hit you also? He said, no, no, God forbid. So what's the meal for? He said, I want to say thank you to Hashem. Yeah, we got it, but for what? He said, 20 years I crossed the street here and a car never hit me. <laughs> when would I say thank you? And after a car hit me? Now I have to say already thank you for 20 years. Crossing such a dangerous street. This guy is one year here in the shul. He crossed the street, a car hit him, he almost died. <laughs> 20 years back and forth. So I decided to say thank you when everything is great, not after the tragedy happened. So it says like this. What happened? You lost your money? No. I'm actually, everything is fine. You don't feel good. I'm your friend. You can trust me. <laughs> so, you know, in, in Hebrew, they have a say. When a person says to you, don't worry, you have to start worry. You better worry. <laughs> so it says like this, Kal Kanesher, light like an eagle. There's a mistake here. Eagle is the heaviest bird. So why they say light like an eagle? Because it's all in comparison to the size and the weight of the bird, eagle fly the highest. Yeah, they're lighter birds. But to pick up 
much, much heavier weight all the way to the highest level, that's something to be praised about. Not when you're very light, you fly with the wind. So it's all about effort. Nothing that you're born with. If you're born with beautiful eyes, you don't deserve credit. You're nice, beautiful, and tall. You don't deserve any credit. You're very smart since you're a baby. No, what credit you deserve. You earn something with your efforts. Wow, the Torah is full of praises for you. Nothing else. You're this, you're that. No, nobody, nobody gives you any credit that you have a beautiful uh, whatever. No, none of it. So only something that you earn with efforts you deserve. Okay, so why run like a deer? There's many animals who run very fast. And even among the deer, some of them run faster than the deer. What's, what's the other one name? Huh? No, it's cheetah. No, not cheetah. They're from the deer family. The cheetah is the fastest animal. No, tiger. Tiger is the fastest. No, 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 no. Tiger is the fastest. And it could be from the deer family. All right, whatever. White tree. White tree. White tree. Because the tree, the, this kind of deer that the Torah speaks about, runs, runs very fast. But every few minutes, it stops. Pause and look around. Check the situation. So they say to you, yeah, run, be fast to do what God wants. But don't be like a blind person banging the wall with your head. Check what's happening. Life is, every moment there's a change in life. You wanted to do something, but things change. You wanted to give charity to this institution. But the person who was in charge of the money passed away. He was very honest. You could give him the money with, with closed eyes. You trust him. Somebody else came. Check. Maybe he's a crook. Don't be like a robot. You wanted to marry this girl because they told you all kinds of wonders about her. But then now you just heard that she's not such an angel like you thought. Evaluate the situation. Don't go like most people, uh, just like dead fish in the ocean. The waves bring all of them to the beach. Swim against the, the floating of the water. Use your own mind. And a lion, strong like a lion, all the animals, just the lion roaring, everyone, their blood is freezing. Doesn't have to do anything. Stand by a lion at night in Israel in a safari. They're right by the wall in Ramat Gan. There's a park, park grass. There's a wall. You don't see the lion. Stand there at night, and the lion is right next to you, but it's the other side of the wall, maybe six, seven feet in the other side. Stand there an hour or two and wait until the lion would roar, and then you understand what does it mean that the blood in your body is freezing for 20 minutes. You cannot move. The noise is hard to believe. It's amazing. What a noise and scary. And just all the animals are afraid of the lion. No one is messing with him, even though he's very lazy. So in the Bronx Zoo, 25 years, the lion, everyone comes, take picture like this. Doesn't move. But a real hero. Some people say, okay, Rabbi, I'm not such a hardworking guy. I'm not running to do mitzvot. But I'm also not running to make scenes. I'm lazy. Sleeping all day. My, better to go make scenes? All my friends went to the bar and Saturday night in Manhattan. Shabbos just finished, an hour later they're in Manhattan. I'm tired, I'm lazy, I sleep. So isn't it better? The answer is, Gam mitrape bemlachto achu lebaal mashchit. 
Doing nothing is a brother of doing a lot of bad things. It's not as bad, but it's like his brother, like his partner. King Solomon wrote, I passed through a field that belongs to a very lazy man and to a vineyard that belongs to a person that does not have a heart. And all of it is full of weeds and thorns. Which means instead of grapes, what did I find? Thorns and weeds. Instead of uh, wheat and barley, what did I find? Nothing. Which means the life of a person that is lazy is full of weeds and thorns. A person that is very serious, his life is full of roses. Every day, many roses grow in his file, in his field. If he's lazy, find one mitzvah, one commandment that he does properly. All his life he come to shul. Vambaris from his wife to pray at home. He took her, she's from Bet Yaakov. She said, you promise me every day you go to Minyan? Promise, I swear to you. He's embarrassed from his wife, <laughs> you know? So, check his entire life. 30, 40 years he comes to shul every morning. Check if one time he started the prayer on time from the first word and really finished by the last word without skipping or without starting in the middle. Find one Shabbat in his life that everyone started at 7.30 or at 8 o'clock, that he really was there before in a, one, of, one of the 10. Started the Minyan. Usually he comes, today I already saw something new. They don't ask what time is davening starting. What time Baruch Shamar? <laughs> Automatically already telling the rabbi in his face, rabbi, for me the davening starts from Baruch Shamar. Right away, half an hour, erased. Now, when he wants to come to Baruch Shamar, when does he really come? If he's a Kohen, he comes to Birkat Kohanim. <laughs> if he's a Kohen. If not, he may come by Alenu Leshabeach. Yeah. I was here, Rabbi. You didn't see me? I was here. You can fool the whole world, but you cannot fool your Creator. There's an eye who watch you and an ear who listens to you and everything you do is recorded in a book of God. And the tragedy of the lazy person does not come in one shot. Slowly, slowly. Like they say in Spanish, poco, poco. Poco, poco. That he doesn't really realize that he's drowning. Slowly, slowly. And by the time he realized, maybe too late for him. Many times, the heart of the person knows his obligation and what is the right thing to save his soul in this world. What's the obligations that his creator set for him? And although it's clear and he knows 100%, he neglects his obligation is life completely. Knowing it's like a person is sick and the only medicine is this, doesn't go to the pharmacy to get it. Sounds very silly, no? And not because of ignorance that he does not recognize his obligation and mission in life. And not because of any other reason. Only because he's heavy and lazy.
let me sleep a little bit, later, later, later. Sometimes you come to your son, your room is a, is a mess. Clothes on the floor, the pillows, the food from last night, ants is already crawling, the charger here, this, this, the bag is in the middle of the room. Make some order in your room. Soon. Soon. This soon may take six years now. Soon, soon, soon. He was already 14 when he started with this soon. Now he's 20, still the same. Soon, soon. One time a father came to visit his son in yeshiva. And they were in the middle of learning. And he came from far away. In those days there was no transportation. An old, old train who finally arrived. So he came to yeshiva. And the rabbi said, well, I'm very sorry. You're going to have to wait at least two and a half hours until they finish the learning. The father said, no, I don't have to see him. Please just show me his room. The rabbi said, come, I'll show you. Open the room. He comes, he, che he checks the closet. He said, thank God, I know my son is doing very well spiritually. They didn't even see him. He went back, went to the train station. Thank God. You look at the order in the life of a person, you know everything about him. Everything. If he's organized, everything is fine. Then he's learning, he's every, eating on time, sleeping on time, learning on time, praying on time. Everything on time. If his life is a mess, this, this year, this year, the money is here, his phone is there, the car is there, it doesn't, anything from his life doesn't know. You know these kids that every week you have to buy them a coat? Because they don't really know where they left it. <laughs> Fifteen coats they have everywhere. Everywhere you go. Oh, yeah, I have a coat over there. I don't need to take my coat. He goes over there. Oh, yeah, two years ago when we went to the wedding, I left a coat there. Everywhere you go, he has a coat. Not all the time his father can afford it. Do you have a choice? So it says like this. Let me sleep a little bit and later I'll do it. Let me rest. It's very hard for me to leave home today. Oh, I took off my clothes already. I wore my pajama. It's too cold today. Which means excuses are endless. Every day has a different excuse. Until a person leaves his creator completely. And we're just about to finish the chapter uh, 6. It says, when a person is searching for rest, he thinks he came to this world to sleep and to snore and to rest and to do nothing. You know these people that they're dying for a cup of tea. And they sit at home and they're thinking for three hours. Should I get up? Should I not get up? Should I get up? I? Three hours is fighting with himself. Now getting up, going over 20 steps all the way to the kitchen, putting water in a teapot, waiting two minutes until it boils, getting the sugar. He's thinking about this whole thing. It's like occupying the Everest. <laughs> thinking now, oh, his daughter passed by. Oh, Miriam, Miriam, make me tea, please. Ah, what a relief. <laughs> what a relief. Two minutes effort, nothing. Person like this can be a righteous person. Person like this can pray. Person like this can do something. He needs to go help somebody. He cannot do anything for himself. <laughs> you know, this guy is very selfish. He never comes to help. Even for himself, he's selfish. Even for himself, he doesn't want to do anything. So it says like this. The source of laziness starting to twist his mind completely. 
the source of laziness, starting. Too much noise there. The source of laziness twists his mind completely until he begins to believe his excuses. When a person repeats a lie 50 times, after 50 times, even if you hypnotize him, he will say the same lie. Why? It's already in his conscious that it's really happened. I remember when I was a kid, I believed my father is Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, I was a little kid. And one time I saw that one of my neighbors have a monkey in a cage. And I, I believe me, I remember that. I was three years old. I remember it. It's 40 years ago. And I came to one adult, and I told him, you know, my father is Tarzan. <laughs> That's what happened to the kids. They watch all this nonsense. They're very influenced from what they see. So, it, so the old man, I still remember his face. You know, it's, it's like a little kid I was. He was laughing at me, but in a nice way. A little the toddler comes to him and say, my father is Tarzan. So he said, really? I say, yeah, you don't believe me? Come, I'll show you. And I took him to the house where the monkey is. So you see, we have a monkey, that's Cheetah. <laughs> that was his name, Cheetah, Tarzan. When a person says the lie, even there's a kid, what does he know? Up to six years old, the kid is equal to a monkey. That's, that's the law. Up to six years, don't expect him. He broke the table, this, that. You don't give him punishments. Six and older, you already understand what's happening. Slowly, slowly, you give him ethics. But up to six, you just have to hope that he won't break someone's nice, fancy car or something like that. So when a person already repeats this excuse so many times, he believes that that's what happened to him. Why you don't get up in the morning? No, I have a problem. I have this, I have that, I'm sick, I'm that. In the end, mentally, he thinks that that's what he has. There is a very important rule in life. You should know that. After the actions follows the heart. Achare peulot nimshachim alevavot. 99.99999% of the people in the world are making a critical mistake in their life. When you come to them and say, why don't you keep the laws of the Torah? They say, what do I have to do? I'm talking about believers. What do I have to do? You have to observe the Sabbath. Oh, it's too hard for me. Ah, to do Kiddush? To go to the synagogue? Ah, boring. I like to sleep. I like to go play soccer. I, I go to the mall. Everyone has an excuse. So what are people thinking? Give me something easy, I'll do. What do you want me? You want me to give you $5 in a box? Okay, five, big deal. $5, leave me alone. The Chabad Nikam, put fill in two minutes. Two minutes, should I give two minutes? Okay, two minutes, no problem. Let's get rid of him. No, give me two minutes, goodbye. If he comes and say, I want you to put fill in five hours, nobody would agree. Two minutes, yeah, no, let's do it. It's gonna be longer to argue with him now. Let me get rid of him, I'm allergic. Let me get rid of him, no, give me the fill in that. So the point is that people think, if I love it, I'm willing to do it. If I love it, I'm willing to do it. If I don't like it, for whatever reason, I don't believe in it, it's too difficult, it's too bitter, it's too ugly, it's not fancy enough, I'm not, it's not my style, everyone has an answer. Then I'm not connected with that rabbi, leave me alone. I'm not ready for it. 
But God says in the Torah, no, my friend, you don't understand psychology. The real psychology is that I made the human being, and I'm telling you the secret. Everything that you will force yourself to do is just a matter of time until it becomes from very bitter, very sweet. Every time you do it, you suffer a little less. First time, wow, what a terrible thing to do. Second time, 90% horrible. Third time, 50%. Fourth time, 20%. After 10, 20 times, you cannot live without it. I have thousands of people who Hashem helped me to make them Shomrei Shabbat. I can count on one hand how many of them complain that it's not pleasant. Most of them say, I wait for it all week. But in the first three months, it was difficult to make an adjustment, to change. Now, as soon as Motzei Shabbat comes, they count the minutes until next Shabbat. What happened? They're all crazy? They test what it is, slowly, slowly, and they cannot live without it. Cannot live without it. And many other examples. Many people, when you ask them to come to learn Torah, in the beginning, they were suffering. Wow, Torah for me? What do I have to do with this? Torah, me? Wow, to put yamaka. If my friends will see me. You know, in Israel, you have a lot of musicians, famous musicians. They come in one condition that has to be confidential. I know, because I know the rabbi who teach them. The biggest name in rock and roll music. They, they, they're on television every hour. They make millions. They come and learn Gemara. They put Yamaka and learn. I even have a video that someone filmed them without them knowing. It's not published. But they are willing to do it in one condition, that the world will not know. God forbid that they have a piece of thing on their head and they come sit with the rabbi and learn Gemara. <laughs> but they don't miss one week. Why? In the beginning, they came out of curiosity. They begin to learn the soul waking up. Bottom line, 17 years I'm doing it, speaking to people all over the world in different languages, different cultures, different mentality, different IQ. And I didn't find one person who didn't get the answer to every one of his questions. Not one time. Why is it? Because the Torah is the best product in history. You can be a mute salesman, ugly, like, I don't know, like what? You can be not talented, you can be mute, you can be ugly, you can be anything you want. Very not charismatic. You're still selling the best product. Tell me, I want to ask you a question. You have a real diamond that worth $100 million, blue diamond, symmetric, clean, one in a billion, you find one like this. And the salesman of that diamond has one eye, crooked face. You see him, you want to vomit. He's so disgusting the way he looks. Very dirty, dirty food, you know, who knows? Well, dressed like homeless, but he has this product. And then you have a very aesthetic salesman top of the line, like a movie star, mm -hmm. comes, you know, with all the posa, all the show, and he sells a garbage diamond. Bottom line, who's going to win? The monkey that sells the real diamond, or the movie star who sells the half diamond, half glass? The product always wins. Yeah, the salesman can make it better, this and that. Unless if he's a crook. He's a crook, he's a crook. We're not talking about crooks. Talking with honesty, with dignity. The product 
Why do you think the Christians never deny the Torah? They love Judaism so much that they came and put a stamp. Judaism is 100% divine. It's just that God gave another book. Well, what's going on here? <laughs> the first thing they had to do is come and say, oh, these Jews is a bunch of weirdos. They made up some this religion, all kinds of stories, tefillin, lulav, shabbat. It's crazy people. It's like, you know, like UFOs, like zombies. <laughs> This is the real religion, beautiful, nice architecture, churches, and hallelujah with the piano, and the father comes with the ash. That's the real divine religion. Everything that was now until it was zombies, crazy people. Why they didn't do it? Why not only they did not try to defeat Judaism, they came and say Judaism is one million percent divine. God gave the Torah to the Jews, we admit. We are the witnesses that the Jews got the Torah. Nobody can deny it. Why? Trying to come and say that 1,300 years of Judaism all over the world was just an illusion, an invention by someone, nobody will take you serious. It's like me trying to claim there was no Napoleon. Anybody will take me serious? Or I come and say, I swear there's no China. Well, I never see. I never saw China. I never been there. Well, I, I, there's no China. I say, hey, come on, sir, be serious. Or like someone who come and say, you know what? Everything you were told about September 11, don't believe it. It never happened. And now he try to continue his lecture. Anyone would listen to him? So it's impossible to come to tell the world that such an event that changed the entire history never happened. Nobody will take you serious. So let's be clever. If you cannot beat him, join him. But we'll do a trick. Of course, Prophet Isaiah, of course, peace be on him. Prophet Jeremiah, of course. King David, of course. King Saul. What's the question? The Tanakh, 24 books of Judaism, holy, of course, it's all holy. But there is the New Testament. There is part two. And JC now is the new hero. If you don't believe in him, you cannot get your salvation. You saw what happened? Almost everything the same, just a little turn. And dismiss everything without people realizing. And until this day, that's how they trick the Israelis in Israel. What do you think? They come dressed like a priest? They come with a yarmulke and beard and star David necklace holding the Tanakh, Tehillim. We came to check your mezuzot. We brought you tefillin. They light Hanukkah candle. That's what they do. And in the end, they tell them, OK, here, this, we brought you a Tanakh, and <laughs> some additions to the Tanakh. And most of the Israelis, they don't know. So especially they come to older people that came from Russia. What do they know? They never learned Judaism. They take advantage on being naive. Why the Muslims that hated the Jews so much before Islam, the Arabs? History always showed the Arabs always hated the Jews, always. From the time of Ishmael Pere Adam, always they hated the Jews. 3,700 years. 2,000 years before Islam started, the Arabs were torturing the Jews every corner of the world. How all of a sudden the Arabs came and said, Judaism is real? Open the Hamas website. Israel, peace be on him. They're speaking about Yaakov, Jacob. King David, peace be on him. Abraham, Sarah, peace be on them. The holy Solomon, the holy Abraham. <laughs> you, you feel like you went to the Chabad website. <laughs> the Hamas. 
What happened to them? How all of a sudden they so religious? You know what Sheikh Yassin that started the Hamas wrote in the in the 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 foundation of the Hamas. They made a declaration, like an official official Hamas document. You know what he wrote over there? Check. You don't have to believe me. Go Google it. He said the Jews are the chosen people. God gave them the Torah in Mount Sinai and chose them to be the representative. But since the Jews betrayed God so many times for all the good he did to them, they returned back to him. Now it's our job to teach them a lesson. And we won't leave them alone until we get rid of all the infidels. That's what he wrote. Why are we doing what we do? Because the Jews are secular, traitors, ungrateful. They don't deserve to live. What can we do? Can we, have, can we answer him? Can answer him. When he, was get, when, when he was killed, the helicopter shot a missile to his head. You know where was it? It was 5 o'clock in the morning after he finished to pray with his wheelchair. 75 years old man. He came out of the mosque 5 o'clock in the morning. Finished to pray already. Came out of the mosque and a missile came. He prayed real, real good that day. <laughs> the missile went to his head after he killed so many innocent children and women. It's very hard to understand. A person believes in God, is very fanatic in his faith. The Ten Commandments, which he admits is divine, say you should not kill any person, not allowed to kill Christians, not allowed to kill Arabs, not allowed to kill anyone. You're not allowed to kill. If you want to kill a person, you need to have a trial. And you have to bring witnesses. And you have to see what, what is he guilty of. And in the history of the Jewish court, one in 70 years they executed a person. That's what the Gemara said. One in 70 years. Which means they did everything they can not to kill the wicked people. Nevertheless, the, the righteous people. And blowing people, killing, shooting, all these things in the name of God. Where does it say it in the Torah? How people twisted the truth. That's what they say in English. The way to hell is full of good intentions. The problem today that most of the people in the world have no idea what they live for. They grew up secular. Nobody taught them anything. In Israel, what do you learn? Ashafan kibel nazelet, kofiko, chipopo. Things like this. The kids don't understand. Most Israeli, no one rabbi only. The Rambam. Not because he's a rabbi. Because he was a philosopher, astronomer, mathematician. <laughs> That's just because they know there's a hospital Rambam. There's a street Rambam. Ask a secular person. What's the greatest thing about the Rambam? What was he, a scientist? He was a doctor. They don't know he was the greatest rabbi in the last thousand years. That part they don't care about. Ask the children in Israel today, who was Rabbi Akiva? Something about Lagba Omer, they answer. They don't know. The greatest Jew in history, they don't know who he was. Most of them, you ask them who was Moshe, Yoshua, they know barely a few words in the kibbutz. They never heard of Noah. I met a kibbutznik from Beta Shita. He didn't know who Noah is. I was talking to him about Noah, the ark, the flood. And only after a few minutes, I realized that it's like Chinese to him. Grew up in Holy Land, in the Galilee over there. And he did not know, he never heard of Noah in his life. What do you expect from someone like him? To observe Shabbat? 
Everything he hears in the media is against religion. Religious people spit, religious people steal, religious people do this, they don't go to the army, they don't pay tax, they only learn Torah, they dress strange, they hate the secular, they ugly, they this, all his life. What do you expect from him? What do you expect? Sometimes I meet secular people and speak to them in a plane, in an airport. I see that they check me they don't believe that it's real. How can it be? How do you know all these things? I thought you people are retarded. <laughs> That's what they teach them. Oh, there's Iran. Primitive. They're crazy. They stay away from them. They don't know anything. This is what's happening today. Ignorance is the biggest enemy in the life of a person. When he doesn't understand what he lives for, he doesn't know God exists, he doesn't know the Torah is divine, how many people that watch Torah and science, their eyes almost came out? Today, somebody sent me a question. My friend heard in your name that you said there's more water above the sky than on earth. And he wants to know the source. So I send him the source. I send him the source. So he said, my friend still does not believe. I said, I don't understand your friend. He asked me, what's the source? I showed him a book that was written 3,000 years ago. Nobody had NASA, nobody had the satellites, nobody had telescopes, nobody was traveling in space to know what's in other stars. Nobody knew. I showed you that the Torah said there's more water above the sky than on Earth. And 72% of the world is water. Now I showed you the source, and today NASA proves it, that there are stars, that they're all one huge ball of ice. One star already have more ice than the entire Earth, multiplied by billions. And Chazal was speaking about it. So what does your friend want? To bring Hashem to dance for him? What more proofs do you need? So I say to him, tell your friend to watch Torah and science. Four hours later exactly, I guess when he finished to watch the thing, he sent me an email. Where can I get in Israel your film, Torah and science? I want to publish thousands of them. <laughs> he didn't believe. Four hours later, he's a great believer. Why? Nobody ever showed him. You have to understand, most of the secular people, they're secular not because they're evil, or they're bad, or they're stupid. No, they're sharp, they're good in business, they, oh, they have a lot of good things about them. They just never know that the Torah is divine. What people will stay the same knowing this is the book of God and God is watching me? You know, I'll give you an example. They put in Manhattan a portable bathroom, and they surrounded it with glass. But from the outside, it looks like a mirror. But from the inside, it's clear glass. And there was free bathroom in the middle of Manhattan. And they put a camera to see the reaction of people. So now, the people who come to sit in the bathroom, all of a sudden, you come to sit in the bathroom, you see a lady come. Like this in your face. <laughs> I don't have one guy up. Not one person used the bathroom that day. The people from the outside don't see inside, they see a mirror. But the people inside, even though some of them were dying for the bathroom, nobody could do it knowing somebody is watching him. If a person knew God is watching him, he would rape, he would steal, he would kill. What? Are <laughs> you that dumb? So why people do it? They don't believe God is watching. So how you make them believe? You prove to them the Torah is divine, it can never be written by a person. The more they realize it, the more they change. Even when
when it's not so pleasant to change. Wow, I have to change now. Cannot cheat my customers anymore. <laughs> Cannot dress very tight mini skirts anymore. I have to go with this on my head. Wow, it's not me. I don't connect with that, Rabbi. No discount? Senior citizen. <laughs> Give me a discount. You have no choice. The truth is the truth. Whether you like it, you don't like it, you agree with that. It's according to the way you brought out. Who cares about you? You're not another entity. You're not God. You're not an angel. You're sitting in a court of heaven. In Israel, there's a very annoying sentence that I heard at least 5,000 times. When I say something in the name of the Torah, remember, I understand where they come from. They never heard it in their life. For instance, if you come and say to a secular person that according to God's opinion, Hashem's opinion, uh, uh, to be Mechalel Shabbos is a bigger sin than to murder. Not one secular person in Israel can digest it. They all get angry. All of them. Not one is thinking, wait a minute, can you prove it? Yeah, I prove it to you. How do I prove? If you see the Constitution give a bigger punishment to a criminal A than criminal B, much bigger punishment, and you don't know what is the crime, nobody told you what crimes we are discussing here. Nobody. I just told you, criminal in, in category A, receiving 30 years in prison. Criminals of category B, receiving three months in prison. Now you have to gamble. Which crime is bigger, category A or category B? A. Do you know one person in the world that will gamble category B? If it's not normal, yes. Every normal person will say, oh, I'm putting all my money in category A. How do you know, sir? We never told you the crimes. If A received 30 years in prison and B only three months, what's the question? That's a much bigger crime. If Mechalel Shabbat, God said to give him a bigger punishment than a murderer, because he's breaking the covenant between the Jewish nation and the creator of the world, which is a horrible sin, the highest level of ungratefulness. So since he brought up like a goy, he doesn't understand Torah, divine, learning, Olam Abba, none of it. Then he thinks you're crazy. But if he realizes the Torah is divine, he has to adjust his crooked mind and all the nonsense that they fed him all his life to the truth. And that's why they call Shtifat Moach. Be careful from him. He's going to brainwash you. You go into the lecture of this rabbi, be careful, it's Shtifat Moach. So sometimes uh, people call me, my mother said Shtifat Moach. I said, tell your mother she's very smart, she's right. We have to wash your brain from all the nonsense they fed you all your life. They fed you that you came from the monkeys. We must clean it. It's nonsense. You didn't come from a monkey. You're a divine creature. You have a divine soul. You didn't come from a monkey. Uh, they told you there's no life after life. One day you become sand and that's it. That's another lie. It's already been proven scientifically that lives only begin in a time of death, regardless of the Torah. The Torah already say it. But even the parapsychologists, the goyim already know it, 100%. So we got to clean that garbage from your brain. They told you that the more you steal, the more rich you're going to be. Nonsense. It will go on cancer. Let's adjust your mind. It's all corrupted. So that's called shtifat moach. So what's the reaction? Some of them even get up angry from the lecture and leave. It's fanatic. It's crazy. 
So fine, I'm crazy, fanatic, whatever you want. Do you have one answer for the argument now? We stand in front of a judge. You have one answer, not one answer. Yeah, making angry, shouting, screaming, fine. One answer to the point you have. Can you answer who was able to write this book? Obviously, a person wasn't able to. What does it say? I'm the creator of the world who gave you this book. If I prove to you, so what's the question? What are you arguing with me about? I tell you what I say to you because I agree with the book? No, maybe I disagree like you. The difference between me and you, I understand my limitation. I'm not another god. What am I going to do? Make a world war free? Me against my creator? If you cannot beat him, join him. That was the, the signal that, yeah, we're going to go. So, all right, we got to our uh, time. Bezrat Hashem, we finished this chapter. We finished chapter uh, six. And Bezrat Hashem, next week we start chapter seven. And it's very interesting chapter, full of, uh, full of nice things and some stories that I wrote in my book. Next Monday, 8 o'clock. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah.